on today's player pool. We talk about the future of fantasy football, where it's headed, because we are the first generation of fantasy football players. Then we move to Sunday situations. I try to smooth out the speed bumps ahead of you so you can get deeper into the lineup building process quicker. Finally, we end with a preview of the week 10 main slate. Let's go. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboyne. Welcome back. Welcome back, all Player Pool listeners, new, old, still figuring it out. Happy you're here. We are getting better together. We are getting better together at Daily Fantasy Sports. You guys as listeners through the tough weeks through the season have kept me in it. And I think, I think, just judging by the messages we keep getting sent to the podcast, email account, Twitter, Facebook messages even, I feel like we've really ignited a good passion in some of you for daily fantasy sports. I, I love seeing it. It's it's the, the it's this show's mission. Part of the mission is to convert as many, you know, traditional fantasy football players, people who have played in eight, ten, twelve person leagues, you know, their entire fantasy football life. We want to show you a better way. And I truly believe that can be found in daily fantasy sports. And we're gonna lead off the show by talking about that. Before but before we get to that. Make sure, if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the show, wherever platform you're listening. If it's iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, what have you, make sure you hit that subscribe button. That does wonders for us. And at the same time, get further plugged in by at least following our Twitter account, at PlayerPoolPod. It's just a constant stream of my thoughts as you know we get closer to kickoff. And especially, it should be helpful listening to this show on Friday and then listening for the injury adjustments that I'm going to make, uh, which will play a huge factor here in Week 10. Uh, you know, injury news is going to be huge, huge this week heading into Week 10. So don't miss anything. Don't miss any adjustments I may have. Uh, make sure you're at least following me on Twitter. That's the reliable social media platform. Um, you know, I'm hey, I'm humble here. I'm going to be really humble. And I, I started this show in August, and I did not for the life of me think, one, that I, we would have this many people on board this early. I mean, three months in to this show's existence and just bang, boom, bomb. We got listeners in Australia. We got listeners in the UK. I mean, and we have, you know, from sea to shining sea, listeners across the board. So just so cool. So cool. But uh, the, the show is in its infancy right now. And one thing I know when you're setting up a program or a business is if you try to throw all the bells and whistles on all at the same time, the tree just tips over. So I'm, I'm trying to develop this show slowly without also, you know, just absolutely, you know, raking my, my personal life. So the social medias right now, the most monitored one will be Twitter. So I, I, I keep encouraging you all to at least get at me on Twitter, follow on Twitter. I'm telling you, it's worth, if you're playing, D, if you're playing daily fantasy sports, it is worth creating a Twitter account just to follow all the beat reporters and all the breaking news and really just get plugged into the the ebbs and flows of the league. I mean, one one crucial aspect of being a good daily fantasy player is you got to know what's, you know, what waves are kind of floating throughout the the league, what's being said and what the general public is is talking about and at this time, I think with all the social media platforms that are available, the only true one where there's actual conversation to be found and real-time updates is for now is on Twitter. So 
Uh, we're not sponsored by Twitter. I don't know Elon Musk personally. I know he cameoed in a few Iron Man movies, and uh, he made he made a car apparently. But uh, so we're not sponsored. But I, I truly think like, hey, you need to add a Twitter account to your repertoire if you're really playing daily fantasy sports seriously. Um, it's just huge, it, you know, to keep updated and everything on the league. Uh, so kind of talking big picture here to start off the show. And I wanted to talk more about how I, I truly believe if you love fantasy football, inevitably we all need to start transitioning over to daily fantasy football. And here's why. A little history lesson for you, something that I've thought about. Uh, you know, we are, if you're listening to this show, if you're playing fantasy football today, we are the first generation of fantasy football players, if you really think about it. Now, Generation can be applied a lot of different ways, you know, and Gen XYZ blames, you know, Gen XYZ for any problems or baby. Like, I'm not talking about that age of generation where everyone's basically just 10 years apart. You know, I used to, uh, you know, I used to work in uh, for the for the federal prosecutor's office. And one thing that we would negotiate with criminal defense attorneys or with judges when we were trying to determine, you know, what sentence we would pursue against a, a criminal defendant was, you know, we'd say, you know, judge, he's, this person's got to go away for at least a generation. And what that means is remove that person from society, you know, for about 25 years. So in my head, the way I think about generations is truly 25 years at a time. If you think about history too, society really does develop about that clip, right? I mean, if you were hanging out and, uh, you know, 1995, 2000, you know, it was, you know, everyone had the family computer, right? Think how much, how much has changed since then. Everyone had that central family computer. That's where everything, you know, was based out of. If you ever wanted any MP3 music, remember, you probably had, you know, your scam, um, you know, pirated music uh, uh, system or software or website of the month that you would, you know, try to pull as much as you could off of just to inevitably lose it. And then look where we're at nowadays. I mean, if I hear a song I like, I can pretty much just add it to my, you know, my handheld computer, my phone, and, and be done. So things change in leaps and bounds. But um, to, to have that said, we again, we are the first generation of fantasy football. I mean, think about it. I actually did a little research. So, like, in I guess in the 1960s, the idea of fantasy football was kind of hatched, and it was more something that single games. We had single game players back then, as we do now, uh, you know, on FanDuel and DraftKings, but uh, it really, fantasy football really was able to take off with the internet and the widespread adoption of the internet beginning in 1998, but more strongly in the 2000s. In 1998, that's when ESPN actually came out with their online fantasy football platform, the first ones to do it. Followed swiftly behind them in, in the early 2000s was Yahoo Fantasy Football, which is where I preferred to be back when I played traditional season long. But if you think about that, 1998, if that's truly the beginning, the strong beginning of fantasy football, and we're in 2023 right now, I mean, that is 25 years. So here, again, I will say we are the first generation. Now, as we get older, first generation, no matter where you're at in life, you know, if you're in your 20s, 30s, 50s, I think you're going to know something as you kind of go up that age ladder. And you're going to notice that your fantasy leagues have dwindled, right? Maybe you're not even in them anymore. Maybe you're in them, but only five people are actually active in the leagues. I can say right now, I'm actually, I am involved in three fantasy football leagues, 
and it's varied participation across the board. And the guys that are into it are really into it, and they're super fun to be in the league with still. But, I mean, can you seriously answer honestly that all your fantasy leagues are 80% participation, that you don't come across a couple dud teams, you know, a year at least? I, I truly think if you never want to let go of fantasy football, it is time, the natural progression, the evolution of you as a fantasy player, of us as the first generation of fantasy football players, is to come over and play daily fantasy football. Basically because we got to get into bigger pools to have active, you know, good competition. And then another aspect that we can add to this, you know, it just, it just adapts and it develops, right? So maybe you're not going to be in, you know, daily fantasy with all your, your, you know, your buddies from your hometown or all your close friends that you've known your whole life. But you're going to find groups like this. You're going to find groups like, you know, the player pool. You're going to maybe you're in a group on Roto Grinders, or maybe you're now a part of Establish the Run, another really good, uh, you know, daily fantasy and, and general fantasy website out there. Uh, again, not being paid to plug any of these guys. But that's, I think, where your new community is going to be. It's going to be through whatever camp you're in, and you're going to have that really hot, high competition in these DFS contests. It's going to serve all your needs as a fantasy player. So I'm saying this mainly just to kind of, I think this is going to be kind of a general discussion we're going to have throughout the life of this show as fantasy you know, progresses. But it has to be noted that fantasy football is very, it, it's so lucrative now. I mean, over 100 million users are, are logged in or signed up on Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Think about that, 100 million. Only about 32 million right now are playing are, are, there's only about 32 million accounts associated to FanDuel or DraftKings at any given time. So think how early we are in this daily fantasy game, but think about how much more life can be found in it. So I guess my challenge to you, especially at week 10, if you have people in your fantasy leagues, I think it's worth saying, hey, have you tried daily fantasy? And hey, by the way, now this is a, this is a, a plug that I have interest in. Put them to my show. Put them to this show and say, hey, if you'd like to start Daily Fantasy, also there's this guy that does this podcast that tells you how to build lineups. You know, I, I, I truly think that's going to be helpful. Like, I, I think that's why we've been able to already just gain a bunch of newbies that have never played DFS. And pretty quickly, if they followed, you know, kind of the basics of, of, of lineup construction and just put in a little bit of time and wrestle with it, they're realizing like, oh, I'm here already which is unlike how I came up in daily fantasy, which was I paid, I paid for my learning curves with real money, basically. Now, back then it was $5, $3, you know. But when you're a college student, that's a lot of money. <laughs> so I'm trying to remove that giant learning curve, give you the basics right away so you can hit the ground running. And, and we've already seen it. I mean, so many new players that are cashing in these leagues. I didn't even touch these leagues for years because I was so hopeless and and how to build a lineup and how to land in the cash. So again, I think as we get older and as life goes on and we separate, move far away from our friends or work gets crazy or whatever, if you're really expecting to have a fantasy football fix moving forward, daily fantasy is truly the only place to go. This shows a good place to start to learn the basics. And yeah, I think at this point in the season, as you know, again, you're sitting in those fantasy leagues, there's been two trades uh, completed all season the waiver wire there's like two people making waiver wire claims a week you got three teams that still have Aaron Rodgers in the starting quarterback spot 
I think it's time to just put a little chat message in there and say, listen, Daily Fantasy is a lot more fun. Here's a good place to start. So those are just kind of my thoughts, my musings on, on fantasy football, the future of it, uh, where it's headed. And uh, maybe you agree, maybe you don't. Definitely holler at me on your thoughts on that. Uh, but otherwise, we have a great, awesome, wholesome Week 10 DFS main slate coming up. I'm so excited to talk about it. I, I, I identified a couple Sunday situations to help kind of smooth your progress through lineup construction. And, you know, one last thing I'll say, I did it to myself again. I opened up my FanDuel app. I just looked at the main slate, started flipping through the prices, instantly get overwhelmed because there's so many good players with high, high price tags. I'm thinking, no way in hell am I going to be able to get to all these guys or process this information. I sat down for half an hour. I made my player pool, and then I started moving through it. This player pool, I mean, we should. It's it is like the ultimate like Arctic icebreaker ship. It just cuts through this, the choices and, and the players and and all the the prices and data so fast. So as you begin, remember it gets easier if you follow the steps by building your pool. You know, marking down your preferreds, adding all your labels that help you just put a little thumb on that scale. It's super helpful to get you through the data quickly and really show you the path. To success, which I, I do believe, especially with some injury news that may go one way or another, there are a couple clear paths to success this week in Week 10. So, excited to get to it. Uh, let's get to Sunday situations. All right, Sunday situations. It's a segment I'm working on. It's The purpose of it is to where there could be speed bumps for you initially in your lineup building process. I just want to flatten them all for you so you can get a little deeper down the road. And, and really work up some some truly difficult line of construction, you know, this or that, or problems that only you can answer. Because, again, here on the player pool, I'm not a player picks machine for you. I really want you to make your own lineup. And the ones that do end up usually beating me in these contests. So, hey, we've had like a player pool user outscore me, I think, five weeks in a row and edge me out of like a top two, top three position. So, Come on, keep that streak going. And again, if you haven't changed your profile picture to the player pool logo, I don't know if you beat me. It doesn't count. So make sure you've done that. It's just fun to see the see the squad rolling through the leagues. But okay, so first the uh, first thing that kind of came or, or leapt off the page to me was you know it's a pretty limited week to me so far. It's not a big inflated uh, player pool. You know I had. 12 total running backs that made my pool, of which seven were either marked as slate breakers or preferreds. Wide receivers, 16 wide receivers. Only eight got marked down as preferred or slate breaker. But the first player price that leapt out to me that made me actually think, is there something wrong, was Kenneth Walker the third running back, Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks have not had glowing offensive games the last three weeks especially and Kenneth Walker's price reflects that only 7300 at home against a crappy giving up ready to rebrand reboot Washington Commanders team that's weird and you know my theory about West Coast teams traveling east playing the early games on the east coast some of that still kind of applies in this case with east coast team going to west coast so the Seahawks are overwhelming favorites in this matchup, and I was just like, oh, you know, I know Zach Charbonnet kind of shined a couple weeks ago, and Pete Carroll was mentioning 
you know, the rookie in, in a press conference, almost like he had just realized that, you know, they had a little gold nugget sitting on the bench. And it's not like a Bijan, you know, Robinson situation where the coach is just trying to make a point uh, that he can scheme better than a player can play. It's not like that. So I took a look at it, and it does look like Charbonnet, he's basically, to me, this situation reminds me of Derrick Henry and Tajay Sharp currently, right? Everybody who's just a big futurist who is not interested in real results in the moment have just been telling me Derrick Henry, they're basically digging his grave, and Tajay Sharp's about to have 22 carries a game. That's not happened. Every time you go and look at it, the opportunities are divvied up where basically, you know, Tajay, I say Sharp, Spears, I'm sorry, Spears getting five touches, Derrick Henry's getting all the running back work. And the same thing's true here with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. Last week, nobody did anything for Seattle because they got their asses kicked going across the country and playing in Baltimore. That game on the offensive side was FUBAR. So it's you shouldn't really overreact to the low scores from last week knowing how that game script went. But when you really look at it, even in that terrible game, negative game script, Kenneth Walker still has over 2-1 to one usage over Zach Charbonnet. And in DFS or fantasy football in general – as long as the two to one usage ratio is there, the favorite, the majority use running back is usable. It is very usable. It's when they drift down where running back two is getting about 45% of that usage. That's when it's a kind of a stay away, which is kind of what we see with a uh, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren situation. So if you see the low price on Walker and the lower points in the past few weeks, it's nothing to worry about, at least in my opinion. Now, did the coaches have a good night out and all decide that Zach Charbonnet eats 25 touches this week? If that happens, I can't help you. But there's absolutely nothing in the history of this season or in the history of Pete Carroll. Remember that. Pete Carroll, there's nothing there to show that he's just going to be trendy and make a switch like that right away. I mean, especially Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, who for years was told he was underutilizing Russell Wilson, that they ran the ball too much and they needed to let Russ cook. Well, we see how that's played out. And do you really think Pete Carroll, who's one of the oldest coaches in the NFL, do you really feel like he's, you know, maybe learned a lesson from Russell Wilson leaving them and that he needs to check himself? No, no. So he's going to stick to his guns. He's going to take a little bit longer to adjust, even in the face of some evidence. And there's really not been a ton of evidence for Charbonnet. So I think Kenneth Walker, only a year two running back himself. He's the man. He's the piston. And he's got a hell of a matchup this week so i'm playing him he's marked down as a preferred player for me uh you know he's gonna be in a lot of my lineups and it's a very very generous price i I like that a lot all right the next sunday situation this is one to monitor and a good reason uh again follow uh the 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 pod on twitter at player pool pod on twitter because we got a, a a slate changing injury situation here on the cincinnati bengals jamar chase limited did not practice, uh, and neither did T. Higgins. Did not practice on Thursday. T. Higgins, especially, another yarn hamstring. What is up? What is up this year with these hamstrings? I Hamstrings are usually a training camp and early season issue, but at this point, it's like it's like the black spot. Like I, You don't know who's going to have it in his palm. Like It's it's everywhere. So here's T. Higgins. Very, it doesn't look good. I mean, I'm... I'm only, you know, I'm only Twitter surfing here and looking into it, but from all the analysis I've seen online from quote unquote doctors, 
it looks like T. Higgins is actually trending towards not playing. Now, Jamar Chase looks a lot more promising, and they have an awesome matchup this week against Houston. So, look at my chops for that game. So, Jamar Chase looks like he might be a go, but you got to monitor it. Like, so, this afternoon, Friday, practice report, you need to look, and at least you want to see a limited practice done by Jamar Chase. <clears throat> if T. Higgins is a, do, a did not practice or limited participant, if he's a limited participant, that will tell you you got to watch that baby in pretty much all the way through Sunday. But I expect him to be a did not participate later this afternoon, uh, and then you can pretty much write him out. If you end up writing out T. Higgins, then hello, Boyd, at 60, I think 200, that is a gift and will be a core piece of your lineup building heading into Sunday. So this situation, this injury situation, it's good practice. Listen, it's week 10. By now, if you, especially if you've been playing DFS the entire year, you should be getting pretty good at watching these in, knowing where to look online to see these practice reports and, and, and seeing, you know, kind of being able to project what this is going to be. So again, if T or Jamar do not practice on Friday, it's safe to assume Boyd's going to have a lot of work to do on Sunday in a very favorable matchup, and you got to play him a lot. I mean, you do. So 6200 again, that's that's bargain bin price at wide receiver with that type of ceiling too he holds. So I like that situation a lot. It's weird. It's so weird. It's like in DFS, T. Higgins being out is actually good because it opens up that salary. It's it's kind of like a – it's almost like a positive thing, although it comes at the expense of a player's health, which don't like that. But it does open up a, a big, big gleaming hole, uh, you know, of Boyd that you can use. All right, moving on here. Alexander Madison, his price is going to jump out at you, and you're going to look at it a few times because there's a lot of excitement, I almost feel like, for the Vikings because they have Josh Dobbs, who did so well, even though he just got to the team four days before last week. I, I think we all got to remember Josh Dobbs is a career backup who can run, and he apparently is a super genius, but he's a career backup for a reason. And a lot of this hype is going to come crashing down to the ground. So I don't really consider any of the pass catchers. And there's even some what looks like value plays with KJ Osborne going to be sitting out uh, this week in the Vikings uh, wi uh, wide receiver room. But I think you avoid everybody, including Hawkinson and Addison, like the plague. But Alexander Madison, 6,200. Just last week, we were paying like 5,700 for value play Devin Singletary. Was it 57, 54? It was in that range. And just for 500 more, 700 more, we can get a bonafide running back at home on a team that's kind of limited now in offense. Alexander Madison looks looks like a very good value running back play. But there's, I want to split a hair here. I'm not go, going to not endorse him. I'm going to endorse him to a degree. But I want to split this hair. Because Alexander Madison... He is he has kind of gone around the world in fantasy this season. He started the year as almost like a high draft pick in your traditional season long, right? Like I'm I'm sure he was drafted around the fourth or fifth round. He was a seventy five hundred priced running back, and he had a couple average, a slightly above average games before ultimately tanking. And it's just obvious he's no Dalvin Cook, right? So you're not getting like even like last week when Aaron Jones was sixty four or sixty six hundred. It's not that type of an opportunity. 
I want you to look at Madison this week. If you're considering him, you got to look at him like you looked at Devin Singletary last week as like a truly bargain bin. Whatever he gets me is a bonus play. Now with a slightly elevated price at 6,200 and some decent options in that range, that may just lower your love for him a little bit. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do for you right now. I want you to lower your optimism and love for Madison now so that you don't open up and do five lineups only to realize your four or five of those have him in it because it's not a good matchup. It's a terrible game script that they're facing. It's just, it's just kind of a junk pile. So, and he's not a special, he's not a special football player either. So, you know, he was vying for, for opportunities against Cam Akers. Cam Akers isn't going to be playing this week. It should be him. He should be getting all those touches like at the beginning of the year, but this team has only gotten worse since. And so is he. So again, He's something to consider. He made my player pool, but I'm looking at him like I looked at Keontae Ingram or uh, you know Devin Singletary last week. So purely a dart throw value play that's a little more expensive than most dart throw value play at running back. Okay, let's look at this one. Bijan Robinson, another Sunday situation. He's kind of been a season-long situation. Now, the, the most oddest thing, I've seen this, from coaches at lower levels in sports. I've been on teams where the coach has to out-scheme the ability of his players to make it feel like he won that game. It's a weird thing I've seen in coaches. And at all levels, like, you know, either some some of the coaches I've had personally, I've but you know, I've seen it in uh Major League Baseball, uh, was it Joe Madden, the Chicago Cubs World Series winning manager. I swear if you were watching that series and and the NLCS series before that, he was trying to mad scientist that thing. So at the end of the day, they said that that he won that series and not the Cubs, and they damn near gave it away because of it. That's one example. But I feel like I'm finally seeing the football version of this with Arthur Smith. It's lunacy. 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 It's almost like even Tyler Algier, who is a great running back in his own right, isn't getting goal line touches, is not getting red zone touches. We are running – Tight end sweeps with their tight end two. It's insane. I and we're getting screwed by it. Fantasy players are getting absolutely annihilated with this unpredictable usage of a star player. It's it's wild. And another thing that's wild is it's not even that like, oh, he doesn't get touches in the red zone, you know, so he's only a big play guy. There's been games where he just doesn't play. You know, we've had that. He had one or two carries, and it kills your lineup, which is making the fact that his price is now at 6,600 all the more terrifying because I don't know how you don't play a crap ton of Bijan Robinson this week. I don't know. So I'm just going to acknowledge the, the terrifying elephant in the room. And it's that Bijan's price is 6,600. And I, especially against this matchup they have, I don't know how you are going to opt out of Bijan Robinson at 6,600 against this Arizona Cardinals team, especially with Atlanta being on the road, especially with Kyler Murray back for the Cardinals. This game should be pretty competitive. And in fact, if anything, the Falcons, I think, will be down in this game at some point, which means Bijan should be on the field even more for Taylor Heineke dump-offs. So uh, I'm just going to say it. It's a good play. Bijan Robinson this week's a good play. And I don't know when Arthur Smith's going to break. I don't know if it's going to lead to his firing. But I do know this. Losses 
lead to you getting fired, wins, secure your job, and he's got an easy W available to him this week is he's smart enough to know that the pathway to secure that W goes goes through Bijan Robinson. The guy is smart. He doesn't have Arthur Smith is smart. He doesn't have a head coaching job in the NFL because he's an idiot. You know, I don't think he, you know, he's not one of those. I think eventually it's all going to come to a head and there's going to be a press conference on Monday or Tuesday where he's gripping that thing with his big arms looking at you with his mustache and saying, finally, what? This was always the plan. You know, he's not going to agree with anybody who's been criticizing his usage of his star players. He's just going to be like, this was always what we were going to do. I think that's what I'm just going to, you know, rub my crystal ball and try to see what that looks like you know, on Monday, but I truly think that's, that's a good possibility. And it's a good possibility that Bijan Robinson at this point at 6,600, I mean, you don't even need that much. You don't even need that much points for it to make sense at this point. Remember, we're only asking, can he get two X? I mean, can he get what? 13.2 points. That's pretty doable. Very doable. We've asked less from, from uh, less talented players. So yeah, it's tough, but be terrified because I foresee myself having a lot of them, like three or five or more, and uh, it's a high risk of leading to a zero week for me as well with that. But how do you avoid it? My answer is you don't. Okay, one last little one here I just want to highlight is uh, another situation is, you know, is the Cowboys production too good to be true and what to do with Tony Pollard? All I will say is... I am not the smartest guy in the room. The smartest guys in the room are hired by sports books in Vegas casinos to come in-house and set these lines. Those are where the smartest guys, the best fantasy football players go when they're just tired of the fantasy grind. They get hired and they set these lines. And that should tell you then a good evaluation of the quality of football teams that are going against each other this Sunday. Just quickly, when you're trying to say, hey, is Dak considerable? Is Tony Pollard considerable? Is CeeDee Lamb considerable? Ferguson, Jake Ferguson, a tight end considerable this week. I'll just answer it through how Vegas is telling us. There's 39.5 implied total in this Giants-Cowboys game this week. 28.5 of those points are projected for Dallas. 11 points for the Giants. These are two teams living on different sides of town at this point. These are two teams. One's high, one's low. Honestly, for a McCarthy offense, McCarthy team, Dallas Cowboys are playing as well as you can hope right now. They are truly playing their best, I think. Like in terms of their potential, this is probably as good as it's going to get for the year. At the same time, the New York Giants could not be playing any worse. They're now coming on the road to play the Cowboys. It's a beleaguered, tired team trying to get to the offseason. I think it's going to be violent, violent and ugly this Sunday, and all the guns are going to be opened up by the Cowboys and the Giants. So I think it's a safe thump and play to play Dak, play Pollard, especially Pollard. I know he's down. He's burned a lot of people. Big time for him to smash and have a nice correction to the mean this week against the Giants. And, yeah, CeeDee Lamb, very pricey, but you almost got to say slate breaker, right? I think he's almost crossed that line. He's been playing like it for a month. So he's highlighted as a slate breaker just so I don't forget him in my lineup build this week. Uh, but the biggest risk you actually face by playing these to- uh, these Cowboys is that they're up by so much by the early third quarter that you miss a quarter and a half of usage from these Cowboy players. So 
Um, I, I just want to highlight what a you know David and Goliath matchup this truly is on a talent level, motivation level, everything level this week. And in this fight, I think I think Goliath's just not going to take a stone to the face, and he's just going to bludgeon the crap out of the Giants. So play these Cowboys with confidence and pray that the Giants can keep it somewhat close enough to justify the Cowboys keeping the starters out, out there for the entire game. But that's... Really all I saw as I, I built my player pool, some of the difficulties I, I foresee uh, you, you know you guys running into right off the bat. So hopefully that's helpful. Hopefully what's next is also helpful. Let's take a look at all the games, see what we're dealing with on this Week 10 main slate. All right, Week 10 main slate, first game leading off with. We actually we have another you know wake up in the morning uh, early game. Uh, this must be on foreign soil. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, New England Patriots. Thank God that's on the main slate. What a what a kind of a stinker. Although if Jonathan Taylor at seventy five hundred goes off in this game and and makes his price erupt, uh, you know, into the slate breaker prices of you know eighty five hundred and up, I'm gonna be very sad because I'm I'm so down to ride, ride JT until he he pops. And if he pops on this 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 game here that's not in the main slate, oh, you're gonna be hearing about it from me on Tuesday's show. But, all right, for the games that are on the main slate, starting off Green Bay Packers at Pittsburgh Steelers. Implied total in this game is 38.5, which right away tells you that you're not playing a bunch of players from this game. Quite frankly, it's Aaron Jones again at 6,800. Still not looking like what we think of him to look like. Not looking fast. Not No breakaway speed. They gave him 20 rush attempts. He averaged, you know, about 3.4 yards per carry last week. It's just getting sad over here on the Packer land. But, of course, we have our trusty Luke Musgrave. I was worried about bargain bin tight ends, prices being inflated with all the scoring last week. But his stayed the same pretty much. 5,100, very, very useful. Um, on the Steelers' side, with the emergence of Deontay Johnson, George Pickens' production usage overall has plummeted. So it's still to me, it's just, it, honestly, the Steelers remind me of the Commanders in that there's a, to me, what looks like an average to maybe slightly above average quarterback there, and then just a bunch of dudes, unpredictable usage, nobody special. So one thing that did kind of stick out to me, I did like Jalen Warren a little bit at 5,600. Packers are not known for a great run defense historically. It hasn't looked great so far this year. Jalen Warren... The better running back of the duo there between him and Najee Harris. 5,600, if you get in a jam, it's at least it's worth writing his name down in your player pool in that price so that if you get just absolutely stuck at that price point and you love your lineup above, I think Jalen Warren, it's, it's feasible to think 8, 10 points is doable in this game. That's really all I see uh, you know, on the Steelers' side that is worth your time in, in DFS. Uh, next game here, Cleveland Browns at Baltimore Ravens. Deshaun Watson, he's back. He's playing. Does that make Amari Cooper playable? I can't get a read. I cannot tell you if Deshaun Watson is even the best quarterback on this Browns team. It It's just very unpredictable. And then we kind of went over the Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, Pierre Strong hellhole backfield last week. And it proved true, you know, last week as well. None of these players were super usable. Kareem Hunt ended up being the guy to get the pound of ball into the end zone. But we're not chasing crappy stats, crappy usage, and, you know, a, a, a falling into touchdown for a yard. I mean, that's just – you can't predict that. Chasing that is foolish. 
Uh, on the Brown side, the only thing I really see is Njoku. He still hovers around 5,400. And if you have enough money there and you don't want to throw it at your defense, then I think you know Njoku is always a good option there. Speaking of crappy usage, <laughs> crappy stats, but falls in the end zone, Gus Edwards now we're on the Baltimore Ravens. 6,700. Lot of lot of online Twitter hype uh, touting of Keaton Mitchell uh, as well. 5,100, although I saw that he was actually downgraded and put on the injury report Thursday, so definitely something to monitor. But my opinion on all of the Ravens' skill position guys has not changed. Running back, you'll live in that running back three-headed monster land all season. You'll never guess it right. And because they don't even know what they really want to do back there, they're just kind of handing it to the guys. So I'm not touching these running backs. That's not going to change. Zay Flowers is at six freaking K. And he has burned me three weeks in a row. And he's still making my GD player pool only because that's such a low price. And, you know, we would pay that price for, again, just dart throws. So just like I kind of said in. Sunday situations about Madison. I'm just changing the mental category that I've used a flowers in. He is more of a desperate dart value play in my mind, but writing his price down in my player pool again, that if I have a lineup that's just flush with studs and slight breakers, but just needs that one plug in that makes sense. Well, at least his 6k price can be on paper and I can at least reference that as I'm building lineups. So that's why he makes my player pool. Nobody else in the Ravens does. One of my favorite games on this slate, Houston Texans at Cincinnati Bengals. And it's not my favorite game because C.J. Stroud is going to Cincinnati. I just think this has so many well-priced pieces on top of the fact that T. Higgins is most likely to miss this game, opening up the Tyler Boyd value. This game might be worth two lineups, quite frankly. I mean, you're really, you'll be able to mega stack this bad boy. So, you know, C.J. Stroud, I think he's usable to me. I still want to see one more game that isn't just bonkers output and see what he does. He he did not make my player pool, but if he makes yours, that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I won't fault you there. Then he's got his boys, Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Noah Brown. Those guys do make my player pool, and I will cover myself by not having CJ Stroud personally with a lot of these guys, and they're going to be ran back against these Bengal players. Dalton Schultz, 6,100, seems a little priced out for me. On the Bengal side, Joe Burrow is at he he's back. He's got his mojo back. He literally is flirting with the with the uh, sideline reporter after the game last week. He's feeling himself. So uh, love Joe Burrow. He he's he's full go. Jamar Chase is gonna play. He's gonna get fed. Remember the Arizona game after Jamar Chase let everybody know that he's always fucking open. Well, here he is again. He's going to be open all day against this Houston secondary. I, I can imagine 15 targets to Jamar Chase. Number one slate breaker on this slate to me. So get yourself some helpings of that. Tyler Boyd, smash play, love it. And the one thing I've always loved about the Bengals is they've stayed narrow. So even when one guy goes down, unless it's you know Joe Mixon and the RB2 now steps in the role, and then you know that's a boost in usage. But these wide receivers, it rarely – and I'm going to say this, and then you know Trent and Irwin's going to catch three touchdowns. But when one of these three wide receivers goes down, Joe Burrow rarely increases his usage of the tight end. He does not throw that new wide receiver three any bones. It just sticks to Mixon, Chase, and Boyd. So feel very confident playing all those guys in a number of combinations. It's a great, great building game. Your base stacks will be huge building those this week. All right, next game where I, again, this game too, I think we can find some pearls. So this is the Titans going to the Buccaneers. 
Implied total is only 38.5, so don't get too excited. But there's pieces here that line up well. So, Derrick Henry's on the other side. He's just 8K. You just play him out of duty, right? He's never going to look great on a matchup, especially against the Buccaneers. But teams have found some success. You know, look at last week with C.J. Stroud and the Texans against the Bucs. So, if the Bucs are getting gashed through the air, they may remove a guy out of the box. It gives Henry that ability, at least. And at 8K, it's just like, is he going to score a touchdown or not? And if he does, then it's a great play. So, I still like Derrick Henry. He'll be in the lineup of mine for sure. DeAndre Hopkins, that's kind of a dangle play at 7,100. He's going to be very popular, but I would just be careful because he is really the only pass-catching threat, and it would be easy to shut him down, you would think. So 7,100, that's not really a discount for what his floor and ceiling are to me, but he's definitely an option, definitely made my pool. I wrote down a Konkwu in my pool, and I already feel dumb about it, but he made my pool in case anybody was wondering. 4,800, what do you want from me? Now, remember, on the Bucks side, Tennessee Titans pass funnel defense, okay? Something that you can target that just has a little softer underbelly. They're fantastic against the run, which removes Rashad White to me from consideration, which is funny because he's projected for super high ownership. So I will bet against Rashad White and lose if that's what ends up taking me down. Now, I do love a one-off touch of Mike Evans this week. 7,600, that's an appropriate price. His Points from last week look like luster, but if you were watching the game, he caught a 50-something yard bomb and fell down at the one or two-yard line. If he just falls in the end zone, he's at a 20-point mark, and you're loving that you played him. So Mike Evans, fantastic option. Baker's going to get desperate on a few scrambles and, and chuck it up to him, and Mike Evans is going to be you know, the tallest guy in the field by like a head and a half. So like Mike Evans a lot this week. And I also like Kate Otten, 5,200. Good bargain bin option there at tight end. Make sure you diversify if you're only bargain bin tight ends this week. Next game, Saints at Vikings. 40.5 point total. Again, a low. that's a low point total. Not something you really need to overly target. A lot of you guys got burned uh, by playing Alvin Kamara last week. I know I did. But with that usage potential, as long as they don't get too Taysom Hill happy, that's what's screwing up Alvin Kamara is Taysom Hill. So, Taysom Hill, if they get too happy on him and play him too much, Kamara's going to bomb again. But you got I think you got to at least have him in your pool, if not play him, because the, the chance of him catching 10 swing passes is just too good. Also here, I like Chris Olave, 7,400. That's an appropriate price for that player. So something to consider. And I expect the Vikings to keep this game close. So nobody's going to pull away in this game. And, you know, these guys are going to be used. But I've already kind of covered what I think of the Vikings. So really these... The, the Saints are a good example of just a team where you can kind of pluck single players out and just kind of plug them in in your lineups after you've built your base stacks. Next game, San Francisco 49ers going to Jacksonville Jaguars. The 49ers are favorite on the road, and this is kind of a big moment for the 49ers in their season. They're on a losing streak. What, two games lost, then the bye? Coming off a bye... They're playing Jacksonville, who always plays in their competition. So it's going to be a close game. Christian McCaffrey, the should-be MVP of the season, is priced at 10.5. And and guess what? You're playing him. You're playing him maybe even twice. Maybe I'll even play him twice. It's a smash matchup. I love it. Uh, Any game, basically, the 49ers are in that's projected to be competitive, that's what makes Christian McCaffrey great. It does not matter the matchup. He could be going up against that crazy Browns defense. I'd be playing McCaffrey. So... Love McCaffrey. Don't love anything else uh, on the 49ers. 
And then it's a really tough call this week. I only think luxury. If your base stack is built in a way where all of a sudden you got some fat money there sitting for two running back picks, maybe you get to ETN, but it's it's tough. I it's tough. I I don't know if I'm going to actually see myself getting to him, but you're not crazy if he's in your player pool. And then the Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, I've said it a couple times already. Both made my my player pool, but so unpredictable how this is going to turn out. So, again, it's just going to be more of like they're building blocks. So, if I get to the point where I need a 6,700-ish you know, wide receiver plug, not flex, but a wide receiver, then I could see myself playing with these guys. And it would make sense to have Ridley you know, running back on – on a Christian McCaffrey play in a lineup. So that's where you're going to see me play a Ridley or a Kirk this week. But which one you play, it, your guess is as good as mine. Next game here, Detroit Lions at – I well, I'm saying at Los Angeles Chargers, but this is going to be a home game, as everyone knows. Uh, you know, for Detroit, the, the Lions fans have traveled incredibly well this season, uh, and and it won't shouldn't be any different here. Uh, in Los Angeles with the Chargers and their, you know, 50 fans. So uh, I the, the, the Lions are going to be kind of tough this week because it's a juicy matchup. You're going to want pieces of it. But David Montgomery is back at full health, full health. So I would think that Montgomery is going to get back to his role and Jameer Gibbs' touches are going to float back down to around nine a game. So do with that what you will. But in a pretty high-priced week, Jameer Gibbs at 8200 doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I say it's a wait and see in week 10 with the, with the Lions backfield uh, for me. Neither of those guys made my player pool. Of course, the sun god, Amon Ra St. Brown, did, as well as Sam Laporta at tight end at 6,500. And I always coach you to disrespect the tight end, but it's starting to become hard to ignore that at 6,500, Laporta is getting 9, 10, 11, 12 targets a game lately. And unlike Travis Kelsey, that sits at 8,500, which makes no sense that I'd coach you away from. With Laporta at 6,500, there actually is still ceiling above that price. So he made my player pull, and I, I, I will tell you, I marked him down as a preferred player for myself uh, because I may want a piece of this game because I do foresee myself playing a trusty Herbert stack. <laughs> and if you know me well enough, you know I love me a Herbert stack. And, you know, now in the Chargers, the Chargers have been hit by a lot of injuries. I mean, that that wide receiver core is not as sexy as it was to begin the season with Mike Williams not being there. And Quentin Johnson, first-round pick, I don't think I don't think anybody knows that. I don't think – maybe Quentin Johnson is, is just really quiet and, and everyone forgot he was picked in the first round because there has been no incorporation of him into the offensive system since Mike Williams went down. It's just gotten more narrow. And this game, I expect that to be the same. Herbert, Eckler, Allen. Kind of an expensive stack because Allen's price is still overinflated from his monster games early in the year. But really outside of those three, you're really just guessing. And if you remember well enough, Jalen Guyton used to be their streak player, the guy who would just be on the field as their wide receiver four, running a bunch of go routes, and Herbert would chuck it at him a few times. So you could load up on Quentin Johnson only to see that 40-yard bomb go to Jalen Guyton instead. So... I, that's why I keep it pretty narrow. But I love what I see here with a little Herbert, Eckler, Allen, and then Bam Laporta. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful base stack. And if you just can't help yourself and you have another, you know, Herbert and just Allen, maybe you find yourself on and St. Brown, maybe. But that's a pretty expensive stack. There's After that, you're pretty much only sticking to value plays to plug in your holes. 
but uh, that's that that is a good game. It's I think the highest projected total on the slate. So if you have a bunch of players in this game, it's it's not a dumb thing. And I do believe that when a team is traveling, their defense can soften up, you know, as the miles go. And you know, short lines they are coming from Detroit. They're going to L.A. So something to think about. I really like this game. It should be targeted a lot. All right, next here, I'll try to speed it up here. Uh, we got Falcons at Cardinals. I've already spoken pretty at length about all this. I'm not interested in anything on the Cardinals. Love to see Kyler Murray, see how he's doing. Uh, you know, Trey McBride at 5,100. Trusty, you know, bargain bin tight end. He's going to be high owned, so you better get yourself some McBride. Otherwise, B. John Robinson, it's do you do it or do you not? I don't know. I, I think I'm doing it. I think I'm all in on Bijan this week, and that's stupid because the evidence would so say to be the other way, but here I am. Commanders at Seahawks. Talked about this one a lot at length, too, in Sunday situations. I Again, just I, I have not been burned by not endorsing the Commanders. In fact, playing defense against, against the Commanders has always been a safe thing this season. I do see that DK Metcalf looks healthier last week than he has all season, so if they're trying to get some correction and get the ball to him, that would make a lot of sense. Metcalf and Lockett are always options. And I love Kenneth Walker this week. To me, he's one of the top running back plays on the slate. But it's going to be hard to stack this game at all. I think this is just like the Saints, another team that you just pick up single plays and plug them, you know, fill them in your lineup. And finally, this game uh, had its own Sunday situation. It's a situation in Dallas this Sunday. Giants-Cowboys. We really only covered it. If you're thinking Saquon Barkley at 7,400 is worth it, all I'll say is it's only worth it if he gets 20, 25 touches. And is he going to get that? I don't think so. I don't even think the Giants are going to be able to play that many offensive plays. They're going to be punting so often this Sunday. So it's sad to see Saquon. I hope he can find a better franchise after he's done with his one-year deal this year. Um, but, yeah, I would be playing my a fair share of the Cowboys, although maybe instead of just being in a Dak locked in a Dak Prescott line, maybe another angle is just Pollard and CD or and Ferguson even, who's a little inflated price at 5,800. But especially Pollard and CD, maybe they're also just single plays too that you can just kind of plug in places. So maybe I don't know. It's just tough because I again I just foresee this game just kind of being over in the third quarter. So. All right, well, hey, that is all the games for the Week 10 main slate. I hope it's helpful. I hope it's uh, a little orientating a little bit, and and we can just bounce ideas off each other. Like I said, I haven't had any ideas bounce my direction lately. If you want to, please feel free. Shoot me, uh, you know, your your viewpoints. Uh, either, you know, you can shoot an email over to me at it's uh, theplayerpoolpodcast at gmail.com. Also on Twitter at playerpoolpod. I, ho- I hope to hear from you all. Um, if not, we will be in here Tuesday. I'm wishing everybody good luck this week. Hope to see you here Tuesday. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the player pool podcast. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at player pool pod.